Christmas story. So I want to look at some of the side characters, if you like, the, um, the co-stars of this story and look at their response to the presence of Jesus. And the first one I want to look at um, is John the Baptist. What was his response to the presence of Jesus? It was joy. It was joy. Look at Luke chapter 1, verse 41. Um, John the Baptist is a fetus in the womb of Elizabeth, his mother. And it says that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 44, it says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Everyone say joy. Everyone say leapt for joy. Who knows that Jesus is the one that is anointed with joy. And there was an anointing of joy upon Jesus even in even when he was in Mary's womb. That when, he, when Mary walked into the room and Jesus had not even been born yet, let alone feeding 5,000, let alone uh, delivering a man with a legion of demons, let alone walking on water, he'd not even been born yet. He was still in his mother's womb and yet there was such an anointing of joy upon his life that when he came into the room, in the womb of his mother, John the Baptist, who was in the womb of his mother, suddenly began to kick and leap for joy. That is the anointing of joy that Jesus carries. That just by being in his presence, John the Baptist, who had not been born yet, let alone spoken his first word, suddenly was filled with joy. And it says that Elizabeth, his mother, was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, how incredible and anointed is Jesus that he can fill people with the Holy Spirit before he's even been born. He can fill people with joy before he's even been born. And it goes, Mary says in verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary begins to rejoice, filled with joy. John the Baptist is filled with joy. Who knows it is true that in his presence there is fullness of joy hallelujah so the response to the presence of Jesus from a little baby in the womb was joy hallelujah um next let's look at the angels look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 13 this is the angels appearing to the shepherds we won't read the whole passage but in verse 13 it says suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God everyone say praising God Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The response of the angels was praise. The, the, the news, the, 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 the truth, that the presence of God, that Emmanuel had come into the world. The angels could not help but lift up their voices in praise because Jesus had come. 
That word praise there in the Greek, it means to extol. It means to exalt. It means to praise in song. These angels suddenly let out a roar, a shout, a song of praise because the presence of God was now here on earth in the person of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, um, I don't know if an angel has ever appeared to you personally. Some of you may have seen angels. They're not uh, angels appearing to us are not too common, but but it does happen. And certainly in the Bible, there were many times um, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament when an angel appeared to someone. Now I may I'm bowing down here to any theologians that may have um, superior knowledge, but I cannot think of another time in the Bible. Um, when a company of angels appeared to people on earth. There were times when one angel turned up. There were times when two angels turned up. But when Jesus was born, a whole company of angels turned up. A great host of angels turned up. It's almost like the angels were arguing who was going to get the job to sing the praises of Jesus. And it was like they were all arguing and God the Father was like, oh, I'll just let you all do it. This is just too good for one angel. This is too good for two angels. The whole choir, all of heaven emptied in that moment because Jesus was worthy of praise. He was worthy of adoration. He was worthy to be exalted. And the response uh, to angels throughout the Bible to the presence of Jesus is always praise. I believe that it was Jesus who Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6 because Jesus said, Isaiah saw my glory. And what was the response of the angels um, in Isaiah 6 to Jesus being seated on the throne? It was to cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. In Revelation 5, again, you read about how the angels respond to the presence of Jesus. John writes and said, I looked and heard the voice of many angels angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, 10,000 times 10,000. They encircle the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Can you say amen? If that is how the angels respond to the presence of Jesus, how much more the church of Jesus today? Because who knows that Jesus didn't die for the angels? Who knows that Jesus didn't shed his blood for the angels? So if the response of angels is to empty heaven because he's so worthy of praise, so worthy of adoration, they have to lift up this song of exaltation. How much more the response to those who Jesus died for, that he redeemed, that he's filled with his Holy Spirit, that he has called his very own. Can you say amen? Um, What about the response of the shepherds? Uh, Look at verse 16. It says, So they, the shepherds, hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What was the response of the shepherds to the presence of Jesus? It was evangelism. 
their response to the presence of Jesus, they had to tell everybody that Jesus had come. Now, who knows that sharing the gospel should be a huge part of our walk with Jesus. Amen? Why? Why should we tell people about Jesus? Well, because he gave us a great commission. Who knows, those angels have not got the great commission. Yeah? Uh, well, people are going to hell. Who knows, the shepherds didn't know that yet. They didn't know about being born again. They didn't know about the cross. They didn't know about the resurrection. They didn't know anything. They had just seen him. And there was just something about one glance on the face of Jesus that this is so awesome and so good that I've got to tell everybody. I mean, what, what was their gospel message? You know, they didn't have the, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, you need to give your life to Jesus because he died on the cross. They didn't know any theology or anything. Their simple gospel message was this, we've seen a baby and there is something about him that has put a fire in our hearts and we cannot keep it to ourselves. That was their response to the presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. Um, let, let's move on. Let's look, at, um, let's look at Simeon. I'm racing through this this morning. But Simeon in verse 25. Uh, I, I'm going somewhere this morning because I want to prophesy over us uh, before we end. I want to prophesy over your Christmas and your new year before we close in a few minutes. But look at Simeon in verse 25. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit. Can anyone say moved by the Spirit? He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Simeon, all his life, had been longing for Jesus. And he had had a revelation that the Christ, the Messiah, was coming. This man, Simeon, it says he was, the Holy Spirit was upon him. And something happened that day. Can you imagine just being in the temple? And suddenly, Simeon's spiritual antenna begins to go into overdrive. And suddenly, I don't know if he got a tingling. I don't know if he got a goosebump. I don't know what he got, but something began to burn in his heart. He's here. He's here. And the Holy Spirit acted like a sat-nav. Final destination, the person of Jesus. And Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit. Can you, you imagine almost like, you know, imagine if you got a word of knowledge this morning. Someone in the congregation has got a check for a million pounds with your name on it. But, but only if you find them can you have it. 
You know, you'd be walking around the congregation, wouldn't you? You'd be, you'd be moving those face masks out of the way. You'd be, who, who is it? Who is it? You'd be moving up and down the aisle. That's what Simeon was like, but far greater because he wasn't looking for a check for a million pounds. He was looking for the pearl of great price. And who is it? There's that couple there with their baby. It's not them. There's a couple there with their baby. It's not them. And suddenly... Holy Spirit points out Mary and Joseph. And he's right there and he just grabs hold of Jesus. And the one that he's longed for, he embraces, he touches. Oh, how the Holy Spirit loves Jesus. That everything within the Holy Spirit longs for the person of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit in us always leads us to the person of Jesus. Because just hearing about him is not enough. Just praying to him is not enough. Not singing songs about him is not enough. Anyone else want to grab hold of Jesus? Anyone else want to get so close to Jesus that you touch him and you embrace him and you feel him and you feel the touch of God in your hands? That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He will lead you closer and ever closer to Jesus. Hallelujah. Just look at uh, two more. Uh, we keep reading and we come to Anna in verse 36. It says, There was also a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. <clears throat> she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after a marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day fasting and praying coming up to them at that very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel in the presence of Jesus all Anna's prophetic longings were fulfilled um, the, the Bible's a little bit ambiguous as to how old Anna actually is um, so it says that in the NIV that she was a widow until she was 84. But some scholars um, think that, it, that it, it means that she was a widow for 84 years. And that because the, the, the age of marriage then was around about 14 years old, a lot of scholars think that Anna was about 105 years old at this point. It's a good old age, isn't it? But whether she had been praying and fasting for 84 years or at 84 years had been praying and fasting, either way, she's been praying and fasting for a pretty long time. Can we all agree with that? Praying for decades for the Messiah to come. And there in the presence of Jesus, every prophetic longing was fulfilled. Every prayer was answered. All those nights when tears ran down her face, all those nights when she went to bed with hunger pains because of the fasting. Obviously, she didn't fast for decades, but it means that for decades, fasting was a part of her life. All those nights she went to bed hungry, in that moment, it was worth it all because he was here. Who knows that all of God's promises a yes and amen in Christ. Who knows he is a fulfillment of every word. He is the answer to every prayer. He is the answer to every longing. It's all found 
in Jesus. Amen. One more and then I'm going to make this um, real prophetic to our lives today. Matthew chapter 2. The wise men or the magi. Verse 9. It says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they'd seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped of the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. What was the response of the wise men? It was to give. It was to give. Now, forget the um, nativity movies that you've seen on TV where the shepherds and the wise men all turn up on the same night. Um, it would have taken the, the wise men, if, if they came from Babylon, which is where we presume they came from, they would have had to travel between 500 and 800 miles. Who knows, you can't do that in one night on a camel. Um, some theologians think it could have taken them two and a half years to get to the place where Jesus was. Can you imagine traveling for two and a half years just to see a baby? There was something in them that must have recognized he is so worthy. He is, wor he is worthy of the journey. He is worthy going through this desert. We just got to get to where he is. And when they got to where he was, what was the response? It was to open up their treasure and to give to him. Who knows, they didn't give. The goal that they gave was not kind of, you know, those gold coins that you put in your kids' stockings at Christmas Eve. No, this was real treasure, real gold, real frankincense, real expensive perfumes and ointments that they poured out on Jesus. Why? He'd not died on the cross at that point. He'd not been resurrected at that point. But they just knew in the presence of Jesus, we have to give everything. And it was that same Jesus that caused, that, that 30 years later would cause fishermen to leave their business to follow him. It was the same Jesus that 30 years later would cause Matthew, the tax collector, to leave a pile of money to follow him. It was the same Jesus who 33 uh, years later would cause a woman called Mary of Bethany to break open her alabaster jar and pour out a year's worth of wages equivalent of on his feet. And it was this same Jesus who for 2,000 years people have gone to prison for. People have been crucified for. People have been burnt at the stake for. People have been willing to lose family over. Because they knew there was something about this Jesus that was worthy of everything. So the response to the presence of Jesus for John the Baptist, it was to be filled with joy. For the angels, it was to praise him with everything they had. For the shepherds, it was to tell everyone about him. For Simeon, it was to be led by the Holy Spirit to a place where he grabbed hold of Jesus in an intimate way. For Anna, all her prophetic longings were fulfilled. And for the wise men, 
they gave everything they had. What's this got to do with us? Because 2,000 years later, the presence of Jesus is still as wonderful and is still as real and is still as available in our lives. Can you say amen? And I believe that this Christmas, God wants you to experience the presence of Jesus in your life, in your family, and in your home in a special way. Amen? And I believe that as we go into 2022, is that right? <laughs> Regardless of pandemics and governments and economies, regardless of it all, I believe that for Revive Church, Jesus wants us to experience his presence like never before. And what's going to happen? Well, like with John the Baptist, I believe that God wants us to experience his joy like never before. The last couple of me meetings I've been in, I've, I've just laughed in worship. I believe God wants us this coming year, all the, the misery and all the doom and gloom over the past two years, I believe this year we are going to again rediscover that the joy of the Lord truly is our strength. We're, there's going to be an explosion of joy like never before. Like the angels, I believe God wants to give us a fresh revelation of praise and worship. Um, I, you know, I, I don't understand why we can take our masks off during worship either, but I, I'm grateful for it if, that's, if that makes you more comfortable uh, to do that. But I tell you what, masked, unmasked, whatever, we've got to praise and worship Jesus like never before because he is worthy of it. Can you say amen? Um, like, uh, who was the next one? Like the shepherds, I believe there is going to be an explosion of evangelism this year like never before. Can we say amen to that one? I believe that God is going to lead us to new outreaches, new missions, new ministry opportunities. Uh, we've got to see people saved this year. Come on, someone. Uh, I believe there are going to be uh, some of our youth and kids are going to be out on mission and they're going to blow your minds when they come home the way that God has used them. I believe some of the older ones, uh, the, the, the silver surfers, if we, we kind of use that phrase, I believe some of you are going to go on mission. You're going to start outreaches. You're going to lead people to Jesus. And these are going to be the greatest days of harvest that you have ever, ever seen. Amen? Like Simeon, I believe the Holy Spirit is going to lead us to a deeper place of communion and intimacy with Jesus. I believe like Anna, that this next 12 months, God is going to breathe upon all prophecies and all prayers. And he is going to put a fire in our hearts that says, come on, it's time for fulfillment. It's time to, to blow the dust off of that prophetic journal. It's time to blow dust off of that old prayer list. Those things you might have, some of you might have been praying for something for 80 years like Anna did. And Jesus is saying, come on, now's the time. This is the year. You might have been fasting and praying for a move of God for 84 years, but now is the time. Come on, believe like never before. I wonder how many times Anna felt like giving up. But she pressed through. And in her 84th year, either her 84th year on earth or her 84th year of praying, either way, it's a long time. But that day, all the prayers were answered in Jesus. Come on, that's what he can do. And just like the wise men, 
when God moves, it always, always, always opens up the hearts of God's people to give. Give our time, give our finances, give our service, and give our lives. If we say this morning we want the presence of Jesus, we'd all say amen to that, right? Let me tell you, the presence of Jesus doesn't come just to be a hobby. When the presence of Jesus comes, he, he might make you walk through a desert for 800 miles for two and a half years and then give a load of money at the end of it. But he's worth it. He's worth it. And so can your prayer be the same as mine this morning? Jesus, we want your presence. Jesus, we love you and we long for you.